um, verses 21 through 31 will be our text. Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. Let's read our text and then we'll go back and, and talk about uh, some, some of the implications and applications uh, into our own life. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Or it could be translated, do you understand what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh or born naturally. And he of the free woman through promise or supernaturally, which things are symbolic for these are the two covenants, the one for Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage or slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all, for it is written Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who is born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who is born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And Father, as we open your word once again, Lord, I thank you that you will speak to our hearts individually. Lord, only you know where each one of us is at and what each one of us needs to hear this morning. Lord, only you can take the words that come out of my mouth and make them apply in so many different lives. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would just do a, an amazing work. Lord, you know that, that I have nothing to say, that it's your word, Lord, that it's your spirit that will move on hearts. And Lord, that's what we invite you to do this morning. We invite you by your spirit to open our eyes, to open our ears, to soften our hearts. God, we want to hear from you. We want to experience you this morning, Lord. We want to be drawn closer to you than we ever have before. Do that work in our hearts this morning. We invite you, Spirit, to come and to minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul uses a very familiar story to illustrate what we've been talking about for the last few months in our study of Galatians. In our study of Galatians, we've talked about the fact that we can relate to God in two ways. We, re we relate to God by our own efforts, our own works, our own goodness, our performance, what we do for God. And even as Christians, we can fall into that as these Galatian believers did. Relating to God in their own goodness, by their own works. We can begin to think it's how much I read the Bible, it's how much I pray, it's how much money I give, it's how often I'm at church. And that's how we begin to relate to God. There's this performance 
And we kind of see God as a coach who's, you know, jotting down our performance and keeping tabs. And, you know, he'll bless those that are good. And those that are naughty, you know, they're going to get a piece of coal in their stocking. That's the kind of way we think about God. So we're either relating to God that way through our flesh and our own efforts, or we're relating to God by His grace and through faith and what He did for us. And that's the choice that we have as we approach God. And so Paul uses a very familiar illustration, a very familiar story. I'm sure you've heard of Abraham and Sarah from the book of Genesis. And he uses them to illustrate this point to us about how we relate to God. And really what I want to talk about this morning is two implications, one practical and one spiritual. The practical implication out of this illustration from the life of Abraham. Abraham, as you know, was the father of the Jews. And yet he was a pagan man. The Jewish people just sort of became a nation. They became a people out of this one man's obedience to God, Abraham. He was actually Babylonian. We would call that area now Iraq. The Ur of the Chaldees, a very prosperous, very technologically advanced area at that time. In fact, if you research history, you'll find that they had some technology then that would blow your mind. Running water, they invented the bathtub. They had many things that we wouldn't even think antiquity had at their disposal at that time. And yet here was Abraham living in the lap of luxury, enjoying all of these amenities. And God says to him, I want you to go, I want you to pack your bags, I want you to take your family and move, and I'll, I'll tell you where to go later. Uh, we'll we'll kind of, you know, show you along the way. And it's really pretty much a barren wasteland at this point. But I'm going to bless you, I am going to prosper you, but for now I want you to move out by faith. And Abraham did that. Packed his bags and moved to Canaan. God said, I'm going to bless you. Your your peoples will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And yet he had no children at this time. He's about 75 years old at this time. Sarah's probably about 65 and they pack their bags and they move out. And, you know, sometimes I think as older people, some of you older saints here, maybe you think, you know, The Lord doesn't really have much for me. My life is pretty much over. And yet here was Abraham at 75 years old, really beginning a new chapter in his life. And God had lots for him to accomplish. And he moves out by faith. And that is why Abraham is called the father of faith, not because he had perfect faith. In fact, as we're going to talk about, he had great lapses of faith. He was called the father of faith. He's listed in Hebrews 11, you know, that hall of faith chapter. He's listed there, not because he was perfect, but because when God asked him to do something, he did it. He obeyed. And God took that obedience 
in that belief and accounted it to him as righteousness. Another time, later on in Abraham's life, after he had the son of promise, God said, I want you to take Isaac, the son you've been waiting for all these years. I want you to take him up the mountain and sacrifice him to me. And Abraham, out of obedience, was willing to do that. And of course, you know the story. God stopped him short of that. But Abraham was a man of faith. And here he is, he's waiting on the promise of God, and 13 or 14 years goes by. He's been waiting, patiently, thinking that the son of promise is going to come. I'm going to have a son. We're going to be blessed. He's going to have sons, and they'll have sons, and our family will become a nation that will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Which is interesting because the Jewish people number about 6 million people today. There's a lot more stars than that. What did God mean by that? Well, what God meant was that Abraham was going to be the father of people that would approach God by faith. And that's who Abraham would be the father of. In fact, through his line, through his lineage would come Jesus. And of course... We approach God by faith through Jesus Christ. And so here's Abraham. He's waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. And maybe you're in that position where you know the promises of God. God says, I'm going to provide for you. Philippians tells you that. I'm going to provide for you. According to my riches in Christ Jesus, I'm going to bless you. You'll never be without. You'll never starve to death. I will provide for you. You're waiting on that. Or maybe God says, I've got peace for you. I want to give you peace. Peace is at your disposal. Or fulfillment. Joy. These kinds of things that God has promised to us. And we're waiting on those promises, much like Abraham was waiting on the promise of a son. You know, in a decade and a half goes by, you start to get a little impatient. Start to think, you know, this probably isn't going to happen. And so Sarah says to Abraham, hey, I'm not getting any younger. I can't just run on down to the doctor and, you know, take some fertility pills. This is long before the days of Viagra and Cialis and these kinds of things. Abraham is not getting any younger. He's an old man. And it's like, look. Things aren't happening here. We're trying. It's not working. So, why don't you have my handmaiden, Hagar? She's willing. She'll bear us a son. We'll we'll go ahead and take it into our own hands. Now, Abraham wasn't arguing about it. You know, he's like, hey, it sounds good to me, you know. I mean, it's it's like kind of a, a real, it's like a reality television show if you think about this. I mean, can you imagine your wife coming to you and saying, "Hey, you know the housekeeper. You know we've been trying to have kids for a while. Why don't we just go ahead and have a kid through the housekeeper? You know, it's no big deal." She said she's willing. You know, I mean, it's crazy, but this is what's going on. This is Abraham, and Abraham's like, "All right, you know, I've got permission." He goes ahead and he does this. And maybe 
that's where you're at in your walk with the Lord. God's promised you to provide. But months have gone by and and the bills aren't being paid. You're getting phone calls from the collection agencies. And they're saying, look, you know, you've got to pay these bills and you're starting to freak out. You're starting to worry. So you take things into your own hands. And so you cheat a little bit and cut some corners on your taxes. Take things into your own hands. Or you say, you know, my boss, I mean, I work really hard for him. He doesn't pay me enough anyway. I mean, I was supposed to have two weeks vacation. I only got a week this year. Promised me health benefits. I never have got those. So, you know, it's not going to be a big deal if I take some out of the petty cash. He'll never miss it. You know, if I take a little off the top, if I, you know, change the numbers a little bit here and there, you know, it's justifiable. I mean, I work really hard and we begin to take things into our own hands. Or maybe it's peace. God's promised you peace and yet your heart is filled with turmoil. Your your mind is racing. There's no peace in your life at all. You're up every night worrying and fretting about this and about that. And you're now trying to take it into your own hands. So maybe you're going to find peace through you know, alcohol. Maybe you're going to find peace through drugs. Maybe you're going to find peace through a relationship. Maybe you're going to try to find peace through a sinful relationship. How many people have affairs and and get involved in things that they shouldn't, thinking that it's going to bring them peace? It's going to calm their heart, and yet it absolutely does the opposite. It brings more destruction. It brings more chaos. It brings more turmoil. And so just like Abraham, we can take things into our own hands as well. And say, I'm going to handle this, Lord. I mean, you promised it. And, you know, the the end kind of justifies the means. I'm just going to help you out a little bit here. And God says to us, I don't need your help. I promised it. I will bring it to pass, but it will be in my time. You see, because God wanted Abraham to come to the end of himself. God wanted people to look at Abraham and Sarah when they had this child, ultimately, and say, that had to be the Lord. Abraham, 100 years old. Sarah, 90 years old. I mean, that's amazing. This has to be God. Let's take notice of what's going on here. That's what God wanted. And yet Abraham took things into his own hands. It's very practical for us. In that we can take things into our own hands so easily. God's promised things to us. And yet we get impatient. And we think that by our own flesh, by our own efforts, we're going to bring the promises of God We're going to bring the things of God to pass in our own life. And here's the thing. Ishmael was was born through Hagar. And Abraham was proud of Ishmael. I mean, this was his son. Just like you, if you have a son, you're proud of your son. It didn't really matter that it came from Hagar. I mean, this was his son. This was a, a boy from his own blood he had the little baseball card you know up on the fridge i mean this was his boy 
He was proud of Ishmael. He raised him for 13 years in the same house with, with Sarah. But then God finally brought about His promise through Sarah. Just like He said He would. In fact, He brought it about after Sarah laughed about it. Said, yeah, right, that's going to happen. He brought it about after Abraham took things into his own hands. After Abraham began to pretty much give up on the promise of God. He, he thought Ishmael was the fulfillment of it. He was convinced of that. And the Lord came to him and said, Abraham, Ishmael's a, a neat kid. I created him. It's cool. I'm going to bless him, in fact. He's going to have a prosperous nation of his own. But he's not the son of the promise. What do you mean, Lord? This is my son. This is Ishmael. May he live before you forever, is what Abraham said. And you know what? Some of the Ishmaels in our life, the things that we've taken into our own hands, we become kind of proud of those things. This was my genius plan. This was my human effort. May that thing live before you forever, God. And God says, no. Just like with Isaac and Ishmael, as we read here in our text, there was a battle going on between them. As they grew up together, it got to the point where they couldn't live together anymore. They were butting heads. And see, God's plan for your life and your plan for your life and your own fleshly efforts and taking things into your hands and cheating on your taxes and stealing from your boss and, you know, doing things to get peace in your life or to find fulfillment or to find joy. You might be really proud of those things. You've been getting away with that thing for years. It's been working for you for a long time. It's been giving you all kinds of peace for a moment. For a time. And God says. Those things can't live in the same house anymore. Ishmael and Isaac are just button heads all the time. God's plan and your plan. They're just fighting, warring, as we're going to see in Galatians 5. The fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit are just at war with each other. And God says, look. Take Ishmael and Hagar, his mother, pack their bags and send them on their way. It's time for them to go. And that's what Abraham did. He loved his son. But in obedience to God, he packed Ishmael's bags and he sent him out in the wilderness. He knew he was a product of his flesh. He knew he was a product of... Of his own sin nature. And if God was going to work in his life. He had to take some drastic measures. If he wanted to see the promises of God fulfilled. He was going to have to be obedient to God in this area. And you know what? There's some Ishmaels in our life that need to go. We need to pack their bags. And we need to send them on their way. And I don't know what that is for you. It might be. A sin 
It might just be something that you're holding on to. That's getting in the way of God doing an amazing work in your life. It might be a relationship. It might be a hobby. How many people allow their careers and their work to get in the way of what God wants to do because they think they're going to take it into their own hands. God's promised to provide. And so that must mean that I've got to work myself to death. Even though God says, you know, that He wants us to to have rest and He wants us to spend time with our families and that He wants us to provide for our families. And that word provide there means a lot more than just money, guys. It means providing for them spiritually. It means providing for them by spending time with them. Sometimes guys think that as long as they're providing for their families monetarily that they're doing their job, and that's just not the truth. How many guys are fooling themselves, working 100 hours a week, driving themselves into the ground, their wife's a stranger, their kids have no idea who they are, and they're thinking that they're, you know, providing But God says, I will provide. Yeah, you need to work. But let's use some common sense. And I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what thing needs to go. I don't know what bags need to be packed in your life. But there's there's things in all of our lives. There's Ishmael's that we need to send on their way. And when Abraham took things into his own hands, I don't think he knew the degree to the repercussions that would ensue. When Sarah said, here's Hagar, why don't you go ahead and have a son through her? I don't think he knew, I know he didn't know, the repercussions. Because Ishmael is the father of the Arab nations. Isaac, of course, is the father, through Abraham, Of the Jewish nation. And the last time I checked, they don't get along real well. They're still having problems today. In fact, people are dying in the Middle East on a daily basis because of that decision that Abraham made. We don't know the repercussions that will come out of the poor decisions that we're making in our life. They can be devastating. And you know what? You may have already made some decisions that are going to have lasting repercussions. Like David, a sword was in his house forever. You may have already made those decisions, but that doesn't mean you keep perpetuating the problem. It's time for Ishmael to go. Because the longer you keep him around, the more problems that you're going to have. You got to let him go. Very practical implication for our own life. But there's a spiritual implication as well. Spiritual implication, as Paul says here, this is a sign, this is a symbol. Ishmael represents the law, legalism, Mount Sinai, Moses, the Mosaic Covenant. Relating to God by rules and regulations and lists. This is how you're going to approach God. That's Ishmael. That's what he represented. 
the flesh. It says that son was born according to the flesh. Isaac represents grace. It says the Jerusalem above. What does that mean? It means it's the place where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. He's sitting because the work is finished. He said from the cross, it is finished. The work of salvation is taken care of. It's by grace. That's how you can relate to God. Not by the law. But how many of us are still trying to relate to God through Ishmael? And the thing we don't understand is, as Paul says in verse 21, tell me, I've got a question for you here. This troubles me. You who desire to be under the law, do you not understand what the law says? What does the law say? The law says that if you want to keep it, you've got to keep the whole thing. Every jot and tittle. See, it's not about being a good person. That's what we hear all the time. I'm a good person or they're not a good person. It has nothing to do with that. It's about being perfect. And so the moment that you're no longer perfect, which is about the second you're born, you've got a problem on your hands. Now, you can't relate to God in your own effort because that's perfection and you're not perfect. So now, it's plan B. And so many just basically say, well, I think I'll take my chances. I think God will see that I'm a pretty good person and and it'll all weigh out and it'll all come out in the end and God's a reasonable guy and, and He'll just, you know, we'll work it out. It doesn't work that way. Jesus came through Isaac, the son of promise, because God wanted to relate to us by grace. But many of us are still trying to relate to God through the flesh, through our own efforts. Still trying to approach God by what we can do for Him. And God's saying to us today, look, that mindset, that perspective needs to go. Because grace and the law will always battle it out. They'll always be at each other's throats. Paul writes here, rejoice, sing, break forth into song. Quoting Isaiah 54 which just so happens to follow Isaiah 53, which is about the cross. And then Isaiah says, look, it's time to rejoice in what Jesus did. We have something to rejoice in. Not something to work toward. It's already been accomplished. And the flesh and the law... And God's work of salvation and grace will always be at war. And God says, cast out the bondwoman. 
cast out that bondage in your life, that slavery, the shackles, the chains, the stuff that's just got you burdened down and weighed down with rules and regulations and burdens and bondages. You remember Pilgrim and Pilgrim's progress? He was carrying that load around. And finally he came to the cross and he just dumped it. It was like, I've had enough of this. And so many of us are carrying these things around. Trying to earn our way. I'm going to man up, cowboy up for the Lord, you know. I can do this. And, and God's saying, hey, you know what? I appreciate your heart. I appreciate that you want to relate to me. But it's impossible to do so the way that you are. Let it go. Send Ishmael on his way. And begin to relate to me by faith. Begin to relate to me according to what I've done for you. See, we keep God at an arm's distance. With our rules and our regulations and our lists. And the things that... We've got going on in our head. And we keep God out here. And God says, look, I just want to love you. Just like we sang this morning. I sing a simple song of love. In your arms of love. God wants to wrap us in His arms of love. And just show us how much He loves us and just relate to us. Like a, a father and a son. He doesn't want a distant relationship with you. He wants a close, intimate, loving relationship with you. But if Ishmael's there, it won't happen. Because Ishmael and Isaac are battling it out in your life. And there's turmoil. There's an inability for you to approach God because Ishmael's in the way. And so, those two implications have great application in our own life. Maybe one or both of them apply to you this morning. And I don't know how it is that you need to send Ishmael packing. I don't know what it is that is in your life that is preventing you from experiencing all that God has for you, whether it be practically or spiritually. Practically would really relate to those of us here that are believers. And those things that are in our life that we're, we're just trying to approach God and we're trying to Fulfill the promises of God by the flesh. And spiritually might appeal to believers as well, but certainly to unbelievers. And maybe this morning there's some here who don't know the Lord. And and maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. And and you're thinking that it it is about you. And you're trying to be good. And you've been trying to lead a a holy life. And I, I remember myself when I first started going to church the first three months or so, I, I didn't know the Lord. I didn't have a relationship with Him. I was going to church because I thought that was the right thing to do. My mom and 
dad started going, so, you know, they kind of told me I needed to go with them. And, and so I did. And I remember trying to be a good person for about three months or so. Because everybody around me seemed like good people. You know, at church, I mean, these seem like good people. They got ties on, you know, they're fairly nice. I bet you they're not doing the things I'm doing. You know, and I remember specifically, before I was saved, I remember going to the movies. I have no idea what movie it was. But I remember going to the movies, and I I gave them a 20, and they gave me like $28 back. It was like crazy, right? So I started to walk away, and I was like, sweet, you know? (laughs) I was like, not only... Did I get a free movie? I made eight bucks, you know. I was like, this is awesome. And it was like the, the I didn't have the spirit in my heart, but there was, there was a conscience and the spirit was moving alongside of me, that, that coming alongside ministry of the spirit as he's drawing you unto himself. And it was like the spirit said, you need to, you need to go back and, and give that money. It's like, what? I'm, I never do this kind of stuff. You know, but I went back, waited in line, you know, got up to the counter. Hey, you gave me way too much. Here's the eight bucks back plus the, you know, five bucks it was for a movie at that time or whatever. And the lady was like blown away. So then my mom picked me up after. And I remember I was just so proud of myself. It was like, Mom, you won't believe what I did. I got eight bucks back, but I gave her the money plus I paid for the movie. And I'm a good person. I remember thinking that was really proud of myself for that. But here's the thing. There was a point where I had to let that die. Let that concept of relating to God die. And realize I wasn't a good person. That I had nothing to offer God. And that's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 that blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It means blessed are those that recognize they're spiritually bankrupt. We don't like to be bankrupt. I don't know about you, but it doesn't sound cool. You know, nobody likes to be poor and just have nothing. You know, nobody likes to not be able to buy the things they want. Nobody wants to be bankrupt. We don't like that. We don't like to have nothing to offer. God says, you have nothing to offer me. Ooh, that doesn't sit right. I don't like that. It's like people coming over to your house, you have nothing to offer them. Hey, do you got anything to drink? Yeah, we got some kind of nasty tap water. And, um, oh, there's some old curdled milk back here. You want any of that? You know, we don't like to not have anything to offer people. It doesn't sit well with our flesh. and We want... To have something to offer God. To feel like there's a little bit that we did. Here, Lord, here's my little bit. And it's just like the kid, you know, trying to help his dad work on something. You know, I remember going out in the garage and, you know, trying to help my dad do stuff. It's like I was in his way. I couldn't help. I'm still that way, you know. I'd be like, Dad, hey, um, you know, when you guys come down for Christmas, we've got a few projects around the house, you know. So he'll come and he'll he'll start tinkering with stuff and I'll just kind of 
you know, stand there. And pretty much I'm just in his way. 31 years old. I still don't have a clue what I'm doing. He just kind of, yeah, Ryan, just, you know, go watch TV or whatever. I'll take care of it. You're still in my way, you know, just like you were when you were eight. I'll, 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 I'll fix it. And that's the thing. We're just in God's way. And he loves us. He wants us to be there, but not to try to fix stuff. He just wants us to hang out with him. He already took care of it. He already finished the race. And so what Ishmael's need to go in your life? As the worship team comes back up, we're going we're gonna to worship a little bit. And maybe there's some things that you've got to get right. We're going to have... Uh, some of the elders up here to pray with you if you need prayer. Don't be, don't be shy. Come on up, even during worship. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. I, I don't know what business you need to do with the Lord. I don't know what Ishmael's you've been letting hang around. But maybe today is the day you can pack his bags and let him go. Send him on his way. So let's stand together, you guys, and and let's worship the Lord. Your cross, your cross 
Your love has no bounds. Jesus, your love. 
Some of you guys just need to let the Lord love you. Just let Him pour out His love into your heart today. Let Him do that work that He wants to do in your life. Quit having Him at an arm's distance. You know, some of us, we don't understand intimacy that well. And we need to allow God to have that, that intimate relationship that He wants to have with us. Not only will it transform your walk with Him, but it will transform your marriages. It will transform your work relationships. It will transform your ministries, your relationships with your kids. Because when we don't understand God's love, then we can't love other people. We're trying to love people. We're trying to serve. We're trying to do the right thing and and walk out this Christian life. And it's like just total bondage. It's really hard. But when we just let Him do a wonderful work, pour out His love in our lives, everything else is just a byproduct of that. It's it's amazing. So have a great week, you guys. It's great to see you. Love you guys. And we'll uh, we'll see see you next time. Blessings.